It's been a little while since I've recorded a podcast, and today I want to talk about what I've been doing and also discuss pyral disorder in a little more depth. I've had a number of questions about what it is and where it might come from. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, we're going to talk about pyroluria and what causes it. So stay tuned. Dr. Gil Winkleman, and for those of you who don't know me, you might want to listen to one of the other podcasts for a little more depth, but I'm a naturopathic doctor who specializes in mental health, holistic mental health, and I haven't done a podcast for a while, and I wanted to let you know why. Um, I mean, I'm still practicing medicine and everything, but in my spare time, I've been working on a, on a novel and at this point, uh, it is done. <laughs> so I'm working on getting it published, but I have more time now to devote to these other projects that I had stopped doing. So that's kind of where I've been. And it was a fun project, not medical at all, really, um, other than a couple of poisonings in the, in, by characters. But really, it was more uh, uh, for, for fun. And, you know, if, we'll see what happens with it. In any case, uh, today I wanted to talk about pyral disorder. Uh, at, in the intervening time, I've definitely learned a lot of different, really amazing things, and I might be doing a book on that, uh, be, just because it's so interesting and and the pieces that that come about because of it. So, to start with, uh, let's just review pyroluria, and it's not really a disorder. Uh, per se, uh, is more it, it is a syndrome, if you will, or a symptom of something else. And what happens is is that you can have uh, uh, what's called cryptopyrals, which I'll explain in a minute, show up in the urine, and that's where you get the term pyroluria, pyroles in urine, urea is urine in, in Greek. Um, I I think that that what's really happening underneath is is what's more interesting and there's a lot of information on the internet that talks about it being a syndrome and all this other stuff and I don't think that's what's going on at least not in most cases and we'll get to that in a minute so uh, what happens though uh, what pyrroles are is they're a type of molecular structure and they come from in this case most likely red blood cells so the the blood cells don't break down properly and as a result the uh you get this this quasi heme ring showing up instead of you know the full breakdown product and this quasi heme ring will grab the b6 and the zinc in the body so you can have normal levels in the blood but functionally you would be low in, in those. Pyroluria is fairly common and some of the symptoms that can arise out of this include just inability to maintain uh, stress. You know, they can't, someone with pyral disorder won't do well being stressed out and can't sort of manage themselves. Well, they might have learning issues, they might have uh, 
inability to focus or, or recall uh, information. And one of those signs, by the way, could be, uh, you know, the inability to remember their dreams, uh, uh, you know, sleeping dreams. So pyrrole, people with pyroluria tend to stay up late. They might have issues with falling asleep at night as well. Uh, they tend to not be morning people. They'll skip breakfast. And occasionally they get a pain in their side uh, on their on their left side that that can be distracting as well. So that's that's kind of a quick overview of, of pyrrole disorder. And the reality is is that we don't really know what causes it. Uh, one of the great uh, researchers on pyrrole disorder, Dr. Bill Walsh, one of my mentors, William Walsh, uh, he has a book out called Nutrient Power, which is a, a, an amazing resource which talks about different causes of, of uh, mental illness. And, and I've gone through these in, you know, my podcast, uh, the undermethylation, overmethylation, pyroluria. Uh, there's a, a high copper, low zinc. Pyroluria, I would say, is kind of a mix. It's, it's a little bit of high copper. It's a little bit of low zinc in terms of, of what, what's going on uh, mentally but it physiologically it's completely different and so i think it's the physiology that's that's important and typically you know we we treat it by giving vitamin uh, b6 and zinc like i said some other 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 supplements as well but one of the curious things that's happened over the last year has been that uh, many of the people, not many, but about 10% of the people that I've treated with pyrrole disorder couldn't tolerate the B6. Uh, and this kind of led me down a rabbit hole as far as trying to find out what's going on. And that's what I want to cover today. So what's interesting about this is that, uh, before, I, before I go into that particular issue, is, is that there's probably multiple causes of pyrrole disorder. And uh, what I'm going to talk about today is, is really just one of them. And, and the reason I'm, I'm prefacing this is that there's a specific incident that can happen uh, that makes treating it very difficult. And that is, is a biofilm that is created by yeast. So what that is is a protective mechanism that's created by a long-term infection. So different organisms, yeast being principal of these, but bacteria can, uh, and, and actually mold can as well, but that's rarer, create a film, a protein layer, if you will, over parts of the body that make it very difficult for our immune system to get rid of. And it's almost like if you think about a, a yeast infection as being individual organisms kind of attacking the body, the biofilm is kind of a situation where these organisms form a little village or a city. And oftentimes with patients who have biofilm illness, they will have been to multiple practitioners uh, trying to find relief for symptoms. And they'll treat one area, 
and the symptoms might move to a different area. What do I mean by that? Like they may have uh, joint pain, and you treat that, and then they start getting headaches. Or uh, you know, you treat the stomach issues, and you know they start their skin breaks out or something like that. Yeah, um, it's actually probably more common biofilm is than we realized. And I think it has something to do with sort of treatment with antibiotics and so forth. Uh, antibiotics are actually really bad in cases where there's yeast because it kills the bacteria that might have helped balance out the yeast. So, you know, oftentimes giving an antibiotic just willy-nilly can, can exacerbate this problem. So biofilm, what's interesting about it is that usually if you can't tolerate B6 at all, that's usually an indication that there's a biofilm present. Um, and it's because the biofilm blocks the body's ability to convert B6 into P5P, which we also use. And what's interesting with the pyrrole people is they can tolerate the P5P with no problem. Um, it doesn't necessarily always help the pyrrole disorder, uh, but, but oftentimes um, it, it can help relieve it. So I have patients over the last year who uh, we've we've had issues, you know, with with B6. So we just did the P5P, and they got relief. Their anxiety went away, for example. But but the biofilm was still there. So we're going to take a quick break. After that, we're going to talk a little bit about what to do. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman, and this is Ask Dr. Gil. Uh, before I forget, if you have any questions for me that you'd like to have answered about this program or anything else, you can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. Uh, I am always looking for topics, so hopefully it's a good good one that we can use for the, the show. Um, and... And you can also get more information about uh, what I do at my website, askdrgil.com, uh, and, you know, see what, what I do and how I might help you or a friend or a family member or so forth, medically speaking. All right. So, uh, so we were talking about biofilm and what happens in the body with that. So the biofilm needs to be dealt with along with the organism. And right now I'm talking about yeast, but it could be something else. So typically what we're going to do is we're going to use an, a broad spectrum antimicrobial and something to break down, uh, usually some kind of enzymes to break down the biofilm. Now, if you have this uh, condition, it's important to recognize and understand what organism is involved. And there's a few reasons for that. And again, I'm going to talk about yeast right now. Uh, oftentimes, long-standing yeast infections in, in humans is actually the body's response to heavy metal toxicity. So the body will um, allow the yeast to stay there because the yeast, and mercury is the biggest one, will break down or eat the mercury. So it's actually, in many cases, a protective mechanism. And as you kill off this, this yeast and the biofilm, 
there's oftentimes die-off symptoms. And so the type of um, uh, treatment or, or, you know, palliation for the die-off symptoms you want to use may vary based on what the organism is. So oftentimes, for example, I use cilantro for patients if I suspect heavy metal, uh, and, and that can be in a caplet or the actual, or the actual uh, plant uh, because it's actually been shown to help uh, collect mercury in, in particular, but heavy metals in general. And you don't want to use, you know, a particular chelator necessarily because then you'll also be taking out the stuff you want to keep in, such as the zinc. So it's, it's important to recognize kind of what's going on before you just sort of treat it uh, on, on its own. But, but this is kind of the guideline. Some people will use activated charcoal. That seems to do the trick. Uh, other people don't tolerate the charcoal. Either it, it's too constipating or it gives them cramping or stomach aches. So, and what do I mean by die-off symptoms, by the way? Um, again, it depends on what's going on, but patients will, will feel queasy. They'll feel super fatigued. They might get headaches. They might have stomach issues. Um, I, I, oddly enough, I don't see a lot of people, people getting diarrhea uh, as much as constipation. And this is sort of what happens when you sort of shifted the equilibrium in the body. And part of that, by the way, like I said, is not just the yeast die off, but the bacteria die off too, and potentially uh, the overgrowth of other bacteria that, that go along with it. Now, usually that comes afterwards, but, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that, that you definitely, I think, need some kind of uh, experienced practitioner who can help you with this. And, and oftentimes, you know, you want to make dietary changes as well along with this, particularly with yeast, because uh, patients with yeast really, really crave, you know, kind of sugary uh, foods, refined flours, that sort of thing. And that was another thing, by the way, about pyrrole disorder that was has always been curious is why do people with pyrrole disorder crave bad food, you know, food that just is not healthy. And I think it has something to do with this overgrowth of certain organisms. So that's basically what I have today about pyrrole disorder and a yeast uh, issue. And, and again, if, you know, if you're trying to treat yourself at home uh, on your own, you've read something on the internet, you've listened to my podcast, and you, uh, you know, you're having trouble with particularly the B6, but some people have trouble with the zinc too. Um, you want to get that checked out. You want to make sure that you don't have, you know, a yeast infection uh, uh, growing. And one of the things that you can do that I've started doing, and I'll probably do a, a podcast about this. It's an organic acids test. And it's a, that's a urine test. It's not an inexpensive test, by the way, but it gives us so much information. And it's looking at urine metabolites to determine whether there's, there's certain types of infections and also what's, what that may be doing to the body, particularly the mitochondria, um, and also in terms of nutrient absorption. And I'll, I'm going to do another podcast now that I think about it, just on the O test. But uh, the, the O test has been, you know, there's scientific proof to show that, that if you have a yeast infection, for example, there's high levels of arabinose that will show up in your urine. And so the O test measures for this. And 
we can see if if that's what's going on. We can see if there's Clostridia, which is a bacteria that you generally do not want on, in your body, that it's a bacteria that forms spores and it also can form a biofilm. So it's really hard to treat. So oftentimes patients who've uh, had, uh, you know, done well, let's say they had SIBO, uh, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, they did fine when they're on antibiotics. As soon as they come off of antibiotics, all their symptoms come back. Usually that's a spore-forming organism that's causing that. So that's kind of the, you know, the, the long and the short of it. This is why treating at home sometimes, for, for many people, they can just do the zinc, the B6, they start feeling better. They don't really, you know, need a lot of help from a healthcare practitioner. But there's this group of people out there that we're seeing more and more of that they need more sort of hand-holding on this because there's something else going on in the body and you really need to understand what it is first before you can deal with it effectively. So that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Again, if you have questions, uh, you can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at ask, askdrgil.com, ask Dr. Gill. Check out my website, askdrgill.com. And I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. And if you did, please share it with everybody that you know that might get benefit from it. I'm just trying to get the word out and help people feel better. And as part of that, I'd like to announce that I will be starting up a workshop here. And you can find out more on my website, uh, askdrgill.com slash workshops. Uh, I haven't figured out the entire process yet, but my thought process is, is it'll be four weeks and help people who couldn't otherwise come in to see me potentially learn the information and we'll do it online somehow. And if you're interested in that, please let me know. I'll put a survey up on there and also you can join our mailing list and or send me an email. So again, it's info at askdrgill.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.